Well, good morning, folks. Lovely to see everybody this morning. Thank you so much for coming. My name's Jim McMaster. I'm a long way from home, a long way out of my comfort zone. Google Maps this morning told me I'm 3,516 miles away from home. But it's good to be here, and the brother mustn't be embarrassed about forgetting where I come from. Because I'm always convinced that it's not where you come from that matters, it's where you're going that matters. And we're all going to the same place, we trust, by the grace of God. Those who know me know I'm a kind of last minute man. I'm the guy that was cramming the night before the exams. I'm the fella that packs about half an hour before I'm due to leave for the airport. And I'm very often a last-minute kind of guy that gets in a panic. But not so with this conference. I knew a long time ago, a few months ago, that I was coming to the conference. And I was asked if I would give a little uh, subject for the Hope and Healing Conference. And um, it's the first time I've done a Hope and Healing Conference, I have to say that to you. But immediately I started to think and pray about the conference. Immediately the Lord gave me something very special for me, uh, very simple for me, and very solemn for me to speak about. And the subject I have on my mind for today in relation to hope and healing is spiritual casualties, the cause and the cure. And if you read the little abstract that was written about the, um, the, the weekend, you'll see that I wrote this. No one likes to visit the ER. And when I wrote that, I had no idea that I would be visiting the ER just a few weeks later. But when you need them, the care given by those who deal with casualties is essential and invaluable. And that occasion that happened a few weeks ago when I had to be taken to the ER, let me tell you, I was so appreciative of the folks that looked after me. The abstract went on to say, so what happens when there's a spiritual emergency in your life? What happens when you become a spiritual casualty in the battle of the Christian life? In these sessions, and I say it again to you now, I want to take a very straightforward a very simple and sympathetic look at what happens when somebody becomes a spiritual casualty. And see from the word of God that there are very clear and helpful cures for those that have been wounded in spiritual warfare. As I was flying over from the UK a couple of nights ago, I thought to myself, I have actually bitten off more than I can chew. So I've had to condense the material over the last couple of days. But let me tell you why this is so important to me. The help for spiritual casualties. And it's so important to me because often in my life I've been a spiritual casualty. And I can think, I'm going to tell you of one particular instance in my life when that happened. I can think of how the Lord brought me out of that particular difficulty in my life. And I want to talk about how you become a spiritual casualty 
and what helps when you are a spiritual casualty. And just before I read the word of God, can I say to any of you in the meeting this morning, if you've never been a spiritual casualty, you thank God for that because I've been a spiritual casualty many times. So let's read in the word of God. And I want to read from Luke's gospel in chapter number 10. When I was thinking about this subject of a spiritual casualty and the particular title of the the weekend, Hope and Healing, I thought, where can I find an example of that in the Word of God? And immediately my mind went to this, Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. What we're going to see as we read down through this, it's a very well-known story, but as we go down through this story, I want you to be thinking not so much about uh, the, 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 the normal picture of the gospel, but I want you to see how the man who is wounded is helped. How the man who is wounded is helped. Here's what it says. Verse 30 of um, Luke's gospel, chapter 10. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And if ever there was a casualty, there is one right there. And it says this, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. This is the word of the Lord. I want to think over these two sessions about what happens when you become a casualty in your spiritual life. What happens when there's a spiritual emergency? When you're down and out, ready to give up, throw in the towel, say that's enough, I'm finished. I want to think about how sometimes we get into positions like that. And then I want to think about if you are in a position like that, how do you get out of that position? And so when we're thinking about these things, I'm going to give you seven little headings from this parable that I'm going to suggest are helpful to think about when we're considering what we do when we're a spiritual casualty. Number one, They all begin with T, so that I can remember them. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the need for travel. Travel. Do you notice this parable is all about travel? It's all about a man going down to Jericho. It's all about a priest and a Levite traveling along the way. It's all about a Samaritan traveling along the way. But the the, the point I want to make is this. 
If you're a spiritual casualty, you need somebody to come and travel and help you. You need somebody to come to where you are. Now, I know our brother was talking about the prodigal son, uh, and we will talk a little bit about Luke 15 as we go on. But if you're thinking about the first parable in Luke 15, you'll discover this. The lost sheep was totally dependent on the shepherd coming to find it, wasn't it? The shepherd had to travel. And if you're a spiritual casualty, maybe by some some circumstance in your life, and we'll think about them in a little while, you've become wounded and broken and hurt. You need somebody to come and help you, don't you? You need somebody to travel. You need somebody to come exactly to where you are. And I think if I was, I was speaking to Ross Fanston this morning, who's actually in Cuba, and we were talking about the conference, and Ross says, tell me what your big message is. Tell me what your big message is. Ross is a big picture type of guy. And I says, Ross, I think if my big, my message for this weekend had a big picture, it was this. He's the one to help. He's the one to help. Hope and healing is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace. And when we think about these parables, Luke 10, Luke 15, uh, we think about other instances of the words of God. He came. He came, didn't he? He came. The first move was his, not ours. So we'll talk a little bit about travel. The next thing I really want to talk about as we go through spiritual casualties and the healing is triage. You know what triage is, don't you? It says this, when he saw him, it means he looked and he assessed the situation. Do you know, there isn't one of us in here tonight, today, that's in the same spiritual condition as any other one. We're all in different spiritual conditions, aren't we? And when it comes to spiritual health and spiritual hope and spiritual healing, can I tell you, there's not one size fits all. We all need special treatment. We all need personal attention. We all need something that will touch us just where we are and just in the right circumstances. And it says, when he saw him, when he saw him, triage. Talk about that. Then the next thing I want to talk to you about is this. Tenderness. What you need when you're a spiritual casualty is somebody that's tender. Isn't that right? You don't need somebody that will come and wield a big stick. And somebody that will tell you it's your own fault. And somebody that will tell you, just pull up your socks and get on. You need somebody that you know that cares, don't you? You need, those, you need somebody that you know cares. And it says this, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I was praying last night before I went to my bed, unaware of who would be here. But knowing that um, there would be a number of people here, and if you're anything like me, I'm sure in an audience like this, there are people who really are very deeply hurt and damaged spiritually. Can I tell you, he cares. He cares. Maybe you've found nobody else to care. And maybe you've come to a conference like this and you're looking at a little Scotsman all 3,516 miles away from home and think, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Folks, can I tell you, he does. He does. Maybe you've come here with tears in your eyes that you're not shedding in company. Maybe you've come with hearts that are broken, that are hidden by a smile. But can I tell you, he cares. He cares. Tenderness. 
As you go down through this passage, I want to talk about not just tenderness, I want to talk about touch. Touch. Do you know what it says? He had compassion on him, and it says, he went to him and bound up his wounds. Do you know what that means? That means he had to touch the man. He had to touch the man. When you're in great spiritual need, you need somebody to touch you, don't you, really? I I don't mean a hug or an embrace. I'm the huggy type of person, but there's so much falsehood sometimes in hugs, isn't there? I don't mean touch in in that sense. I mean somebody just to get their hands dirty. Somebody just to come right to where you are and touch you just exactly where you are. And can I say again to you, if you're finding yourself in a difficulty spiritually this weekend, let me tell you, there's one who cares and there's one who'll come and there's one who'll heal. I'm thinking about Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, the Lord Jesus, uh, the leper, approaches him. And if you know anything about your Bible, you'll know that leprosy is that picture of the spiritual disease of sin. It's the type of person that nobody wanted anything to do with. Certainly religious people would not want anything to do with the leper. The common man would not want anything to do with the leper because it would contaminate him for the normal duties of life. But for the Pharisee, the Sadducee, or the lawyer, the legalist, the religionist, a leper would be an abhorrence because touch to a leper would contaminate his ability to do his religious duty. And so a leper would be an abhorrence to anybody who had any interest at all in conducting himself in a way that he thought was pleasing to God. But it says of the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 5, he reached out and he touched him, touched him. If you look at the word carefully in the New Testament, I know nothing about English, so I know very little about Greek. But people who know Greek help me a lot with their books and their study guides. And they tell me that the word touch does not just mean to reach out at arm's length and place a finger on. The word touch from our Lord Jesus Christ is the word he embraced the leper. He embraced the leper. And I would say to you this morning, if you are struggling in whatever part of your life you're struggling in, emotionally, spiritually, I can tell you this, there's not only one who cares, but there's one who will embrace you in your need. Embrace you in your need. In mad prayer last night, as I was thinking about this weekend, and particularly this morning, was this, that, that everybody who comes might not feel the warmth or the advice of the preachers, but they might feel the warmth and the embrace of the Lord Jesus. Because folks... That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. So once we've talked a little bit about travel and triage and tenderness and touch, the next thing I want to talk about is treatment. Because it says this, he bound up his wounds. There's an interesting thing. He staunched the flow of blood. There was some immediate treatment that was necessary. My son is a doctor, and he works in the ER. And uh, he went to work this morning. Uh, they're five hours ahead of us, and he texted me just on his break to tell me that on his way to work, uh, he was passed by by two ambulances heading towards his department. And when he got to the department, 
um, he discovered that there was a, a, a stabbing incident. There had been a stabbing incident in the town uh, early in the morning, early Saturday morning. Actually, some people that I know from the street work, and the man had come in with a chest wound, a stab wound in his chest. And he said to me, he says, Dad, we really had a problem staunching the flow of blood, staunching the flow of blood, because a big major artery had been cut by the, 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 the wound. But that was his first priority. To staunch the flow of blood. To stop the life running out of them. And it says this, he bound up his wounds. He bound up his wounds. There are sometimes you just need some emergency treatment. Isn't that right? There's sometimes you just need something right here, right now, today. And I was praying that if somebody has come, and I have no doubt about it, there's probably many come whose spiritual lifeblood is flowing out of them. I don't mean you're losing your salvation. You know what I mean. You just It's running out of you. Just things have got you down so much that it just feels as though it's all running out of you. I just pray you'll feel the touch of the Lord today to staunch that. I really do. But it says the treatment was not just bind up his wounds. It says he poured in oil and wine. And we'll talk about that maybe in the next session. The idea is this. He gave the appropriate treatment for the appropriate condition, not just for the immediate relief of the problem, but for the continuing healing of the problem. You see that, oil and wine? So we'll talk about travel, we'll talk about triage, we'll talk about tenderness, we'll talk about touch, we'll talk about treatment, but you know what else we'll talk about? We'll talk about transport. Because you know what he did? He didn't just leave him where he was. He took him to a place where he was going to get good treatment. He transported him. He picked him up. He put him on his donkey. And he took him to an inn. He transported him to a place where it was appropriate for him to get more treatment. If you've got any kind of simple mind like mine's, you're already paralleling the, 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 the parable in Luke 15. Isn't that right? Remember the shepherd? He came and the sheep was in great danger so he picked it up. He put it on his shoulders and what does it say? He took him all the way home. All the way home. And the last little thing we're going to talk about as we go down through this passage, I'm just giving you a little summary of my seven points right now because I know for sure we will not get through them in the two sessions. So at least if you've got them, you can go home and have a think about them. Nothing's very complicated in what I'm going to say, but at least maybe you'll be able to put some flesh on the bones, probably better flesh than I could put on. The last thing I want you to notice is required for healing of spiritual casualties is time. It's time. Do you see that? He picks him up and he takes him to the inn and he puts him in the inn and he pays for his, he stays with him overnight and he pays for what it is and he says, now I'm going away and there's no specified time given but he says, when I come back, whatever thou spendest more. In other words, the treatment had to be ongoing. Did you see that? So it wasn't a, all you have to do is read your Bible, pray and go to the meetings and you'll be fine type of stuff here. This is, this is some time that's necessary to heal the wounds. And you know, brothers and sisters, I've found in my own life, sometimes you need time to recover, don't you? There's some wounds that go so deep that sometimes they take years to heal. 
Some that never heal. But when they heal, they leave a scar. And there's no big, miraculous, one-size-fits-all, instantaneous remedy if you're going through a spiritual crisis in your life. It's going to take some time to recover. Isn't that right? I remember a number of years ago, it's nearly 30 years ago now, after, not long after we had got married, uh, my wife went through a real period of spiritual darkness in her life. She would say, if she were here today, that she got to a place in her Christian life where she, she wondered if she was even saved. She was wondered if she was even saved. Now, she'd been brought up in an atmosphere like I, I've been brought up in it, that you don't tell anybody these things. You just keep up the appearance. Keep up the appearance. And so for more than 18 months, my wife kept up the appearance. Meetings, hospitality, reading her Bible, praying with the family, but deeply, deeply wounded and deeply in darkness as far as her spiritual life was concerned. And then by God's grace, um, she was quite remarkably restored to the Lord. I won't take time to tell you that story, but it was a remarkable story, the way the Lord placed his hand on her and restored her back, as uh, David says, to the joy of the Lord's salvation. Uh, I would love to tell you that story. I would love her her to tell you that story because she tells it much better than I do. But by God's grace, in a very remarkable way, the Lord restored her, healed her wounds, removed the hurt, and she was delighted and has lived from that day to this in a flush of Christian joy that I envy more than I can tell you. But I do remember that on one of our uh, rare occasions when the elders visited us in the home, we decided that we would tell them that night about the circumstances that had happened over the last year and a half. And so... Over maybe a 15 minute period my wife related the events of the last 15 or 18 months or so when she'd gone through spiritual darkness, when she'd felt she was a spiritual casualty, when she was broken and bruised and there was lots of different reasons for it. Most of it was to do with legalism to be honest with you. But and she told the story and the four brothers who came to us looked aghast, aghast could hardly believe that my wife was saying what she was saying. And then there was a period of silence after she'd finished the story. And one brother plucked up enough courage uh, to make a comment. And he said, so is everything okay? She said, yes. So he said, let's say no more about it. Let's put it in the past. You see, it was just, let's finish it all. Quick fix, let's move on. Folks, there's no quick fixes. There's no quick fixes. And the deeper your spiritual wounds go, the more time you're going to need for healing and help. So if you've come to the Hope and Healing Conference expecting for some spiritual abracadabra that will send you on your way bouncing like Tigger, I for one am going to disappoint you. And I would be honest with you and say that 
If, like me, you've gone through spiritual darknesses in your life and spiritual difficulties in your life, can I say to you, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be patient. I was conscious this morning that a company this size has many needs. Many needs. Spiritual, emotional, physical. But I would say to you as we continue now for a few minutes with this message, don't look to the preachers this weekend for help. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can heal your broken heart and mend your spiritual wounds. He alone is the Christian's source of hope and healing. Christ and Christ alone. Paul in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 is explaining to the Corinthians about his ministry. The Corinthians, there was a faction in Corinth that had a particular dislike to Paul and would undermine Paul. They would talk about his preaching. When he was finished his preaching, they would say, what kind of guy is that? No big fancy words. No big complicated concepts. No charming stories that engage the audience. His preaching's really pretty poor. Isn't that what they said? You know, some people that said, Apostle, who does he think he is? And you know, Paul writes in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians not to defend himself, not at all. He's not that type of guy. He writes to verify his apostolic ministry that came by grace from the Lord. Right? And so what he does in 2 Corinthians 3 is he doesn't pull out his diplomas and say, look guys, you want to know about Bible knowledge? I've got more Bible knowledge than any any." Do you know what he says to them? Listen to these words. He says, my sufficiency, my sufficiency is of God. Anything I am and anything I do and any value that I have is because of him. It's because of him. When I was a boy, a long, long time ago, somebody gave me a Newbury Bible and I still carry it to this very day. Somebody once said to me, why is such a small fellow like you carrying a big Bible? And I always tell them it's because it's large print. But Thomas Newbery did a variety of things with his translation, or not his translation, with his production of the King James Version of the Bible with grammatical helps and things like that and summary helps and things like that. But one of the great things that Thomas Newbery does with his Newbery Bible is at the beginning of the Old Testament, he lists the Jehovah names of God. The Jehovah names of God. And often I go back and I just read down through those Jehovah names of God. And you know that I am that I am. The unsourced beginning. The unending eternity. I am. 
I was, I am, and I will be. And, and if you go down through those those titles of God, he doesn't just do the Jehovah titles, he does the other titles. And, and, and if you go down through them, I'm ever thankful to Thomas Newbery for summarizing these titles. Listen to some of them. El Shaddai. Now, if this was a Bible class, I'd say, who knows what El Shaddai means? Eh? Do you know what it means? God, the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one. So when I come to a conference like this, conscious that there's many needs, spiritual, emotional, many backgrounds, good and bad, many wounds to be healed, many hearts to be, to be bound up, I come here with the absolute confidence that we have an all-sufficient God. And I turn your attention this morning to not the preachers and not the preaching, but I turn your attention to him. Go, go down through them. Listen to this one. You remember in the book of Exodus, they came to the bitter waters of Mara. Remember that? And they couldn't drink. And they took the, they took the tree and they threw it into the, the waters and the waters were healed and they were able to take refreshment that was necessary to, 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 to build them up and to keep them going on the journey. God revealed himself at the waters of, um, of Mara in this way. Jehovah Rofika or Jehovah Rapha, there's a variety of different uh, uh, Hebrew ways of saying the word. But do you know what that word was? Do you know what it meant? I am the Lord that heals. I am the Lord that heals. Brothers, sisters, take your Bible and just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and you'll discover that our Saviour is the Lord that heals. Isn't that right? Broken lives, broken limbs, broken hearts. They all came to Christ and found in Christ the one that heals. And I claim with all my heart the, the teaching of the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so if you've come to our conference and you're, you're broken, bruised, hurt, can I tell you, he is the one that heals. He is the one that heals. Run to him. Run to him. With your broken heart, run to him. With your troubled mind, run to him. With your bitter spirit, run to him. He is the one that heals. But there's more. Do you read Ezekiel very much? If I was to give you a quiz in Ezekiel, how would you do? Well, you get to the end of the, the, the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel's describing his temple and the temple that's all set up, set up. He, he, he then uses a, a Jehovah title that's right there only in Ezekiel chapter 48. And he says this in the temple. He says, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. And you know what he says? The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Folks, can I tell you, in my short experience of Christian things, 
I've discovered that being a Christian is not about following a pattern. And getting out of a spiritual difficulty is not about restoring our practice. In my Christian life, it's all about knowing his presence. It's all about knowing his presence. It's all about him. It's all about him. And I feel that there's been many a broken heart, wounded spirit, spiritual casualty. Because we have perceived that living for God is all about a pattern and a practice. I believe in a pattern and a practice. I do, right? But you can have the pattern and the practice without the person. There's more. Genesis 22. Remember Genesis 22? The Abraham and Isaac incident. Brother preached on that just earlier this week at our little assembly and refreshed my heart. But you remember when the Lord provided my son God will provide himself the lamb? What did Abraham call the place? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. You see, sometimes you're in a spiritual difficulty, you're a spiritual casualty, you're broken spiritually, you're hurt spiritually, and you wonder, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? Folks, go to him. He will provide. He will provide. He will provide. And you think about some of the, the, the disciples in John's Gospel, when the Lord said, you feed them, you feed them. And they said, well, how can we feed them? What is this among so many? You know the story? Feeding the 5,000? Who provided? He provided, didn't he? He provided. There's more. The Lord of hosts is another one. David the book of Psalms is a wonderful book for those that are going through spiritual difficulties, isn't it? There's an honesty, a reality, a transparency in the book of Psalms that you'll find nowhere else. Matter of fact, somebody once said that the Bible is God speaking to us. The book of Psalms is us speaking to God. Isn't that, you can see that, can you? And David, as we'll talk about maybe this this afternoon, went through some great spiritual crisis in his life. This is what he says in Psalm 87 and 7. In all the circumstances of life, do you know where I found my help? All my springs are in thee, he says. My healings come from the Lord. He says that in another place, he healeth all my diseases. And that little expression, all my springs are in thee, is such a wonderfully rich expression because the word for springs there is exactly the same word that's used in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 7, when the flood comes, do you know what it calls? It says the fountains of the deep were opened. And the fountains of the deep were opened and there was such a deluge from the fountains of the deep that the whole earth was covered in water. The fountains were so so full and so adequate 
that the abundance of those fountains covered the earth with the water. That's exactly the word that David's using in Psalm 87. He says, the fountains are in thee, Lord. He says, when I need something, do you know where I go? I go to thee, Lord. I go to thee. Isaiah 12 and 3 says this, Therefore you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Exactly the same word. So let me read another little verse to you from Jude chapter 1 and verse 24 and 25. I read it to you in the ESV. And I read it to you with the greatest of confidence, knowing that this is a promise for every believer in this room. Broken. Hurt. Bitter. Wounded. Let me read this. Jude says this, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority now and forever. Amen. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Do you know what Judas saying? He'll get you through. He'll get you through. Now you may not get yourself through. And the preachers might not get you through. But do you know what? He will get you through. He will get you through. Now brother, sister. Come to the conference broken. Hurt, wounded, down and out. He will get you through. He will. If you go way back to uh, the Old Testament and you think in a very simple way about the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going to the promised land, for example, there are three components to that story that are just so simple that they very often get overlooked. First component of the story is this. God brought them out. Isn't that right? God brought them out. And we know what that picture is. That's the picture of our salvation. Tell me, who got you out? Hmm? How did you get saved? How did you escape the grasp of the wicked one? How did you escape the condemnation of your sin? How did you escape the destiny of the lake of fire? How did you escape? Did you have anything at all to do with it? And you'll say, nope, not a bit. And you'll maybe quote a hymn to me. You'll say, I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad. He got me out. He got me out. You'd be right. He got you out. Go to the other end of the story because the one that got them out was the one that got them in. Isn't that right? He was the one that got them in. So when you get to the other end of the story and you read about Jericho and the crossing of the Jordan and the the battles in the book of Joshua, uh, who got got them in? Who got them in? Well, he got them in, didn't he? You remember that first instance at Jericho? How are we going to 
get through this. How are we going to pull down the walls? Listen, I'll get you, I'll get you, I'll get you in. And he blew the trumpets and the walls fell down and the victory was the Lord's. And he got them in, just the same as he got them out. Tell me, who'll get you in? Eh? Who'll take you in? Will you get yourself in? Will you turn up at the gates of the pearly gates, as they sometimes say, with your list of achievements in your arms and say, look, Lord, let me in, let me in? He'll say, not at all. He'll get me in. Look at him, Lord. He'll get me in. But the third component that we very often forget about is not just he got them out and he took them in. He got them through, didn't he? He got them through. And you say, ah, now I've got you. Because there was very few that came out that went in. Isn't that right? Very few that went out that came in. Well, do you know why that was? You just have to read the book of Hebrews. Because most of them that came out had hard hearts of unbelief. Isn't that right? They were never real. And so what you had in the, 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 the wilderness was a, a combination of a mixed multitude of those that just were hangers on and those that didn't believe. And their carcasses fell in the wilderness. Fell in the wilderness. But the ones that were true, he got through. The ones he was true, got through. So he brought them out. He got them through. He'll take them in. Now can I say this to you folks? With well, the simplest and most sincere way I can. Whatever your darkness, whatever your wound, whatever your difficulty, he got you out. He'll take you in. And he'll get you through. He'll get you through. He will. So trust him. John, in his little third epistle, which is so small and yet so significant, says this. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you be in good health, even as it goes well with your soul. So what he's saying is this. On that period of getting through, John wants to know that you're healthy spiritually. Healthy spiritually. So, so that's where we're coming to. Now, in this conference, I know I have to finish, but God wants you to be spiritually healthy. He does. God does not want you to languish in spiritual hopelessness. Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm just talking about your spiritual condition. God doesn't want you to be spiritually depressed or spiritually weak. Are spiritually wounded. He wants you to be spiritually well. And he says, listen, I'm praying for you that you'll be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So, so can I ask you, I know you look after your body. Do you, you go to the, go to the gym, boys? You go to the gym? Play hockey? basketball, make sure you're fit and well make sure you get a nice six pack all that sort of stuff, is that good? are you eating your five a day? girls are you doing the, the Zumba classes and stuff like that eh? the aqua fit and all that sort of stuff because you want to be in health do you know what John says? 
I'm praying that you'll be in health. It's a good thing to be in health. But I want you to be in health. I want you to be as healthy physically as you are spiritually. Now, my brother, my sister, can I ask you, if you were as healthy physically today as you are spiritually, would you have been able to even get up out of bed this morning? I think some of us wouldn't. And so so my prayer for this little weekend has been that somebody will be restored to spiritual health, that a spiritual casualty will be helped, that somebody who's lost sight of the hope and the joy that's in Christ will find in him again all that they need to get them through every day. Because, I don't know about you, I'm so thankful that he took me out and I'm so thankful that he'll take me in. Because he that began a good work in me will accomplish it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm absolutely confident. It's the getting through bit I'm finding difficult, to be quite honest with you. And praise God to get through the same one that took us out and the same one that takes us in is the one that will get us through. So maybe this afternoon we'll look at a little more detail at this parable and see the components that would really bring you help and healing if you're suffering as a spiritual casualty. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning.